Oké. Let's go. Ja. Oké, 3, 2, 1, go. Welcome to the kick-off episode of ING WBAA podcast series. I am Nicole Bozica, responsible for communication. WBAA is a multicultural, diverse and inclusive tribe consisting of 130 people working from four different world locations. Netherlands, UK, Poland and Romania. We create algorithmic data-driven products for our clients and eager to bring real impact to the world through advanced analytics and artificial intelligence. This shapes our unique culture, which is what we're proud of, and this is where design comes in. We have experts today with us to demystify the concept. Let's listen to Frank Dirks, head of ING Wholesale Bank Innovation and Global Tribe Lead of WBAA, and Harm Jan Luke, Design Lead of WBAA, discussing about design. Hey, Armian, good to see you again. Uh, it's been quite some time, I think last week. Um, I'm in Amsterdam. You're in Harderwijk. How's the weather over there right now? It's pretty hot. It's pretty hot. Good afternoon, Frank. Uh, nice to see you again. Um, yeah, we have uh, some kids playing in the guards. Not all my kids, but uh, yeah, it looks like summer is here. So a lot of energy, which is good to hear. Hey, we're going to talk about uh, design today. You're the design expert. I have a role in design because it's part of the tribe. Before we get started, let's talk a little bit about our backgrounds, who we are, and why we uh, are actually recording this podcast. Uh, I will quickly quick it, uh, kick it off uh, about myself. My background is in industrial engineering, digital product management, a little bit in design after a lot of education by you and our design chapter and I'm very much into organizational leadership. I worked for ING for quite some time in very different roles, in the retail sector, in the technology space for electronic payments and internet. I lived and worked in India for quite some time, which was um, quite a beautiful experience. And then I moved into also banking and we started setting up the also banking advanced analytics stripe, which is um, a team which at that time was very small, which is two or three people. We started scaling over time in the past seven years. And now we are proud to say that we have 120 people in four countries who are applying advanced analytics and AI in core processes of the bank. Next to that, I'm now also the head of innovation for also banking. Also banking is a large entity uh, of ING group. That's like a, an additional role next to the tripage role I have. And maybe another thing to mention is that I am very passionate about sports, kart surfing, cycling, running, and uh, if the weather allows diving and skiing, the, the thing that inspires me most in work is teamwork, learning, and getting to impact, and preferably all three of them. And I have the fortune to say that all three actually apply in my current job. So that will be a very short introduction about myself. Can you talk a bit about yourself, Armian, just to let people know who they're listening to and uh, who you are? Yes, of course. Um, so some info on my background. I started studying mechanical engineering. After a year, I switched to electrical engineering, uh, but I went even softer and started doing software engineering. Uh, starting doing backend work, I think around 15 years ago. I was programmed called Fusion in Java, but I was also the only one who knew how to handle Photoshop. So at the same time, I was doing the visual and the web design part. Still discovered that software engineering in that sense was too hard for me. 
And I wanted to lean more on the people part. So I started doing front-end development, uh, more design, uh, user experience, interaction design, and now also doing research. Um, so throughout the years, I've been really evolving into the most soft side. That's what I think the people part. Uh, that's what I love the most. As Frank said, I am in Harderwijk. Uh, I have uh, two kids, uh, four chickens, one girlfriend, and um, it's quite uh, hot out here. I do have kind of the same problem as Frank has. I have around uh, 21 hobbies, I guess. <laughs> a lot of sports involved. Um, also kite surfing, cycling. I also building my own quadcopters, what I also do like uh, a lot. And um, yeah, I think that's uh, enough about me. Can you talk a bit about what you do now? What does it mean when you're a chapter lead for design in an advanced analytics tribe? Yeah, so currently I am the chapter lead for wholesale banking advanced analytics. Uh, we work with a set of different disciplines. So we have uh, researchers, product designers, service designers, and I'm uh, just trying to make sure that they have everything they need and everything so they can thrive and really develop themselves. And they're all a part of uh, our product teams within WBA. So let's jump uh, straight into the core of our conversation today, Frank. What does design and design thinking mean to you? Yeah, design thinking and the importance of design to me and to our tribe is to get as close as possible to our uh, clients and to our users. So no layers, no interfaces, no delay timing, nothing. Just get as close as possible to them, observe their behavior, understand them thoroughly and completely, apply techniques to make sure you really capture what it's all about to your clients and users. And at the same time, make sure also by applying the designer and UX techniques that you do not waste too much money by creating things too early. So it's getting close to users and clients and it's making sure that you don't waste money and that you invest your time and energy properly to make sure that you solve their problems in the, the cheapest way possible. That would be my the most concise uh, definition I could give. But that's more like a view from a leadership perspective. You are the expert. Can you talk about it a bit more, Arno? Yeah, still, I like your explanation. It really sounds legit. So I think what's relevant for today and what I really like about uh, how Thomas Watson Jr. once put it, he said, good design is good business. And for me, nowadays, design is even a way of running a business. So first, it's the way uh, you build your product. It's also the story your brand tells. It's how to work best with people, but also how to understand those people. And design, to me, in that sense, is mostly about the power of understanding. Uh, understanding what makes a good product. Understanding how to write a great story understanding also how to engage your employees with your story. To me, it gets even a little bit more personal. While working in design, I'm also starting to understand more about myself and my own beliefs. And I think that's really important because especially in a business settings, beliefs are the things that, that powers your organization or company. Then talk about design thinking. Design thinking is really popular, but on the other end, it's just one of uh, many frameworks to solve a problem. There are many other frameworks like uh, the six thinking hats, uh, a lightning decision jam, fishbone, Lego series play, and they all use more or less the same kind of characteristics. And design thinking does really thrive within a human-centric way of innovation. Yeah, that's how I look at it. So if we would talk about design thinking, 
How do you see such a framework being applied in our business, in uh, also Bank Advanced Analytics, Frank? Yeah, it's a nice question. And I like the wording you just used, which is very much about taking out your personal biases and making sure that you observe thoroughly and understand thoroughly what drives and motivates uh, users and what drives their behavior. Because in the end, to me, that's what it's all about. I think in the past, not exactly detailing how long ago, it was very much about the assumption that we would know or would be able to capture or interpret what customers and users would need. And also based on that, we thought that we knew how to solve their problems best. And I think in general, the biggest change we've made inside our tribe is that we do not believe and assume we know best how to solve their problems. Maybe we do know how to solve their problems, but we do not exactly understand their problems upfront, but that we really apply all kinds of mechanisms and frameworks to be able to assess what their problems are. And we do take out those biases as much as we can. So it's it's really about applying very different standards to understand problems of users. And based on the, the capabilities we have in an AI tribe, which is a, a very different paradigm than an, I would say a common or an average paradigm, there's a different way of, and, and like you always phrase it, there's different tools in your toolbox with based on which you can actually solve their problems. To make that combination, so a thorough understanding of the problems, and having certain tools in your toolbox, that combination is really powerful. And, and based on that, I think you can create very differentiating customer experiences, especially when you look at banks, in which case it's not always easy to change the dynamic with your, with your clients. So that's how I would phrase it. And maybe this again is my leadership kind of view. Can you talk about this uh, a bit more? Yeah. Um, so looking at creating differentiating experience and looking at the tools we have available, we do have a lot of tools available, I would say, especially within WBA. I believe there's really nothing that we cannot do. So uh, we're looking at the current set of people. I really believe we could even build a rocket. I would find it uh, quite a challenge to uh, convince the right people. But looking from that perspective at innovation, I think there are two versions of innovation. First of all, doing something better than the rest or doing something that nobody has really done before. And these are the kind of tools we currently have at hand to first of all, do both of them to really improve our own employee experiences and therefore also impacting the experience of our customers. On the other end, also leverage on our tool sets, such as the different areas within AI, especially machine learning, that can really help us to be on the forefront of innovation. And that's why I really like to work at WBA, because I really believe we have the chance to drastically improve and change our current processes and to build those better products. So the design-driven approach mixed with this innovation mindset just gives you a limited set of possibilities where AI can thrive. And I think currently we're just scratching the surface of what is possible. And that really excites me. Even more, we're just getting started. We're in the front line of scratching the surface. And uh, there's just so much we can do, so much we can gain, and so much we can win. What would you think, Frank? Yeah, I think there's still massive improvement potential, especially if you apply design thinking and become a design-led into an advanced analytics tribe, an entity in which thinking from an analytical perspective and thinking from huge technical opportunities, which takes quite a lot of expertise and skills to be able to actually deliver on solving a problem. So what I'm trying to say is it, it all starts with understanding of problems of users 
total understanding. And then you have to have the capability and the skills in-house to be able to solve them while applying advanced analytics and AI. I think it's the approach redefines how you do, how you innovate. And I think for big corporates, even though people try to be as close to customers and users as possible, that usually is quite a big challenge because a corporation is just big and there's a limited number of people actually interact on a daily basis with clients and users and customers. So the insights of how clients and, and customers operate is not always known to everybody. That's one big thing. And I think if you apply design thinking more, it will help you a lot to, to get closer to them and to be able to solve their problems better. Second big thing for corporations, from my perspective, will be that you make sure that you don't waste money so that big investments are only made when you have strong data-driven proof points and that you have captured the potential opportunities as much as you can and that it's not a big gamble or a big guess. So it's also about saving investment money to me. And to us as a tribe becoming design-led, I would say it means a couple of things. One is that in every product team, we have a designer, a strong independent designer that works as part of a triangle, as we call them. And the triangle covers feasibility, viability, and desirability. And for that, we have product managers, technical leadership, and design in the core teams, I would say, of products. So the voice of the customers, the voice of the users, based on strong analytical proof points, I would say, is captured by uh, the designer. And making sure that that angle is always considered in every decision you take, to make sure that every item on the backlog has a solid consideration whether it actually creates value for your users, that's a critical part. And the second part, I would say, is that what we aim for is that we, as a tribe, we experiment try things consistently and that everybody keeps in mind what the riskiest assumptions are from a product perspective so that you're always aware whether from a technical or from a user or from a product perspective that you're actually working towards risky assumptions experimenting in the cheapest way possible and that you to be able to assess that consider design methodologies as much as possible so that's what i would say is the core of what it means to our tribe let's again ask you harmion as the experts how do you look at this from your role as chapter lead within the tribe I have to be honest, I'm really glad to see how much progress we made over the last uh, couple of years in terms of uh, design maturity. I currently do think that everything we're developing, every feature, every story, every product, every service, we try to make sure that everything is based on evidence. Every piece of evidence that we can gather out of quantitative or qualitative insights. So we're really making sure we're solving the right problem and not only building the right thing. But this is not easy. And I think there are all these different areas we really need to invest in and dive in to gain better understanding. But if you look at what you've been doing in the past, we've been working on anti-money laundering. As you can imagine, this is a really dynamic world. As a designer, you really have to, first of all, understand what it actually entails, but at the same time, every few months, the money laundering world is different. So the crooks or the bad guys, they're using different schemes. They're using different ways to launder money. And as a designer, you have to really be on top of your game in, in terms of understanding to making sure really supporting our employees uh, to help anti-money laundering. And on the other end of the spectrum, we're always looking for ways to best correlate data to deliver strong insights for our product teams. And this is also a challenge because in the end, a lot of data is just a reflection of behavior. And it's really important how you interpret this, even more what kind of effect this has on correlation 
and making sure you, you can trust your insights. So this is a really a delicate uh, subject, but makes the life of a designer, I would say, even more um, exciting in that sense, because um, yeah, it's really getting into the, the core of what we do. And with IntelliJane, uh, we're working on a strong foundation for supply chain insights. And there are many, many perspectives for this to take into account. So we're looking at financial health, uh, we're looking at sustainability, we're looking at media, but also adverse media, also research, relations. But all of these sources of understanding, we really have to be delicate about them and really trying to understand what they're trying to say and what they mean and to find the level of confidence in these kind of sources. And I find this really exciting, to be honest, because this, this is the new world. Like everyone is looking at data, but it's not always easy to just pick a few data sources and make sure that insights you're getting out of there, it's really insightful and really valuable. So that's a, a real challenge and you need to build expertise and experience in order to make sure you're getting the most out of it. What kind of expertise do you need to be able to do that? Yeah. So first of all, I think once you have your design background and you know how to work with qualitative data and you know how to deal with quantitative data and you always want to correlate both of them. For example, on the qualitative side, what people say is, well, almost never what they want. And on the quantitative side, you can get a lot of statistics and insights, but this is just intent of a user. Let me say you always have to correlate both in order to really understand them. And on the quantitative side, you really have to make sure that the data you're looking at, that it's trustworthy. There's most of the time really bias in there. So you really have to be careful in order to give the user the right insights uh, that really makes sense. So what you're saying, I think, is you have to have the skills to be able to interpret what kind of data you're working with so that you actually draw the right kind of conclusions, that you come to the right kind of conclusions. Yeah, and I think this is really what makes a difference in, in terms of a designer that has experience working with data. And this is also a designer that wants to build ethical products, that wants to know that the input we're using in order to give people um, uh, the right tooling to do their work or the job better or to improve their lives are really based on facts and not set up a way where we might be integrating bias into our products. That's something you would like to at least be uh, really careful about. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, it's the topic responsible AI comes up quickly, of course. That's very much about, to me at least, thorough understanding of what you actually do based on data, that you have a good understanding of the conclusions you draw and what the risks are associated to that and how you make sure that you track and trace it over time. So that's not like a one-off kind of thing, but that you keep an eye on developments in your data, for example, based on which you came to conclusions beforehand, that kind of topic. But we can talk about, I think we can talk about an hour about ethical AI. Yeah, well. uh... <laughs> but I mean, it's also in the DNA of a designer, DNA of a designer. So in the end, you want to improve somebody's life, uh, whether that's at work or in their day-to-day -day life, and you want to do the best job you can. So you really have to be aware of all the, the risks and yeah, be really uh, deliberate about it. So, Frank, maybe you can tell us a bit about what's happening in the tribe nowadays, what's currently going on, so people have a better understanding. Let's mention the impact of what we have set up and what we've done. So what were the implications or the, the effects of becoming a design-led tribe with AI at the core? Because I talked about a bit about how we do it, what we implemented, what's visible inside of the tribe, but 
let, let's mention a couple of things you will see as business outcomes of what we've done. And the first one, of course, is linked to the facts based on which we take investment decisions, which means that we are relatively cheap, meaning that we invest, I think, our money wisely. The second big thing, of course, is what Ramon also mentioned before, is that people are very motivated. Uh, motivation of technical people, just to give an example, usually comes largely from working with very advanced technologies, leading edge technology, those kind of things, which is, of course, magnificent to be able to work with that. But my firm belief is that when you're actually able to apply those technologies to be able to solve a user problem so that you can actually interact with an individual or a customer, whatever way you define that, and you see how you solve their problem so that you see how they work with your solution, that to me trickles down to strong motivation of people. And especially when you have agile teams and you're able to operate quickly, then you will see the impact of the work you do very quickly, which to me is even more rewarding than working with the most advanced uh, technologies. And the third dimension I would mention is that we have uh, very happy users because we thoroughly understand them and everything we do or a large part of what we do will be focused on making sure that we solve their problems. So those will be the three things you see as business outcomes or business effects from the way we operate as design-led uh, tribe. In 2021, so this year, we try to support these statements as much as possible with data points because we talk about data, but we also want to make sure that we can visualize, we can prove the statements I just made. That's like uh, a next dimension, which is not always easy to, uh, to implement. And I would say a side effect, it's an important one, but a side effect of having strong designers in our, all our product teams is that our UX, so our user interfaces, UI, I would say, is usually very strong. So designers usually also have the skills to be able to code. So they're able to create front ends. And how our products look is also a very important dimension. We get a lot of feedback from users that are used to banking products. The way our products look and feel is very modern. And that's what people don't expect. So that's like a side effect. Yeah, I would say that the biggest challenge we have for 2021 is to make sure that we are able to measure our business performance based on the investments we made to become a design-led tribe. So that's my description of the implications and the pros, I would say, of becoming more design-led. Okay, Harno, um, I just talked about the impact, so the business value of becoming more design-led as a tribe. Can you talk a bit more about how we could consider making design measurable and what this means to a bigger organization like, for example, ING? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would love to. I think this is like a question still coming up quite a lot in the field. And it's a really interesting topic. And in that sense, in design world, you have two parts or two communities thinking differently along these lines. So the first part is saying design has to be at the C-level table. We have to really play an important role in every step we as a company undertake. And uh, design has to prove itself that it can be on the executive's table. And looking at our tribe and looking at ING as a larger organization, but also looking at other companies, I think that measuring experience, uh, what's part of design, is still not as that mature as you would like it to be. 
So at some point you would like to have hard numbers on how much UX affects your different products and services. And this way you support these kind of executive members uh, to base their budget and spendings on real numbers. So they can actually decide whether they need to invest more in marketing, in sales or in another department. Those kind of people, they need numbers in order to make the right decisions. And if we don't give them the right numbers, we will never be taken seriously because then they would think experience is not measurable. And this is one of the the biggest challenges, I think, in larger organizations. But it is really important. And I firmly believe that we can really measure uh, user experience. It's not easy. It needs a kind of mindset. It needs a different approach than we're usually using. And for us as a tribe, it's really important to make those experiences measurable and to associate those with our business outcomes, with our business metrics at WBA. And we align our design metrics with our OKRs at the beginning of every project. In that sense, design helps us decide what metrics are suitable to measure our success through every stage of the product development process. And this is not only important for business and important for our story towards business, But it's also really important to help getting our product teams on track and engaged and seeing their progress when they're working towards their big, hairy, audacious goal. And I think once we set up the right framework as a bigger organization within ING, design and UX will be at least much more visible and much more clear in terms of what it can mean to the organization. Okay, well... Thank you, Armian, for this, uh, these insights. We're talking about, the, I think, the biggest challenges, which is making sure you show the value in a big corporation and making sure that design and UX gets to a level in a big corporation uh, to make it uh, thrive as much as possible. Well, thank you for listening. Um, I hope you keep an eye on the next podcast that will pop up from our tribe and keep an eye on the ING WBAA Medium Publications page for new updates. Thank you Bye-bye. so much. Bye-bye.